Welcome to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. In this program, Marty discusses waterfowl and upland bird hunting, as well as the clay target shooting sports, with some of the top industry leaders and shooting pros from around the world. If you're just starting out or you've been hunting and shooting for years, we'll have wing and clay target news and information that you can use. Now, here's your host, Marty Fisher. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Boy, we have got, uh, we got 2020 wide open now uh, you know our show last week was on the second we were trying to trying to recover a little bit from uh, from new year's day but let me tell you something if you saw my desk that i've got here and all of the paperwork that i've got on it all of the stuff that we're going to talk about today you know that uh, that 2020 has uh, has turned the corner and we are in for a great great year uh, i'm marty fisher and welcome to Wing and Clay Nation Radio. Uh, you know, I've got a great guest today. I'm going to bring him on here in just a few minutes. Rich Cole from Cole Guns, and I'm going to tell you something. If um, uh, if you're a clay shooter, you probably know all about Cole Guns and Rich. Uh, if you're not, you're going to find out a lot today, and we're going to talk about some things that a lot of you folks have probably never heard about. We're going to get into uh, all sorts of things, you know, gun fit issues and things of that nature. So, hey, if you've got a lady that's starting to shoot, if you've got a child <clears throat> that's starting to shoot at, at your house, they need to listen to this show as you do, because over the next hour, we are going to talk about some things that will really, really, really help them get off on the right foot. And for those of you who have been shooting a long time and not shooting as well as you want to and your gun doesn't fit just right, well, we're going to take care of you too. So stay tuned. I'll have Rich Cole on here in just a few moments. But uh, let's real quick, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about what's been going on. Um, uh, I told you last week I'm going. I went off to uh, Oklahoma, uh, do a little bit of duck shooting uh, with the with the fine folks at Mossy Oak Camo. Uh, I um, had a chance to uh, uh, tape some hunting and shooting tips for their uh, Mossy Oak Go uh, app, which uh, you know is just really really cool. Got lots of really good stuff on it. I had a chance to hunt with uh, with a buddy of mine, Bonnie Califf, a three time world duck calling champion, and and while. The ducks didn't cooperate like we wanted to. They just they had kind of moved out a little bit. We still shot a good many birds and had a great, great, great time. But, um, you know, we're we're right up on the show season. I know that the Dallas Safari Club show uh, got started today. Uh, there are a lot of people there. I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be really, really, really crazy. The Houston Safari Club's coming up, at, uh, you know, later in January on the 24th. Great American Outdoor Show uh, uh, in in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, is the first through the ninth of February. Um, Safari Club International is the fifth through the eighth of February, and that's in Reno, Nevada. And uh, and in the Shot Show uh, coming up in in a couple of weeks uh, out in Las Vegas, and and we're already getting <clears throat> word for some of the new products that are that are coming down the pike. I. Uh, uh, I'll tell you about a couple of them that I saw. Um, you know, Savage. Savage Arms, you know, really stepped it up with their rifles over the past few years, and uh, and they've started to really make some some very, very nice, very accurate rifles. Uh, but they've now introduced their first ever semi-automatic shotgun. It's called the Renegade. You know, kind of an interesting product. Um, you know, comes with an adjustable stock for length of pull, length of the comb height, drop cast. You know, we're going to talk about a bunch of those things here with Rich here in just a little bit. 
Uh, comes in a it's a 12 gauge auto right now only. Uh, black synthetic, 26, 28 inch barrel. Uh, comes in a waterfowl model with uh, mossy oak shadowgrass blades camo. Comes in a turkey model with uh, mossy oak bottomland or obsession. Your choice. So, um, you know, uh, be interesting to see how that uh, how that gun. How that gun does, how it's received, but uh, congratulations to uh, to Savage for coming out with that gun. You can check them out at uh, savagearms.com. Now, another one that I that came across my desk, my good buddy Gus Bader, who owns uh, TriStar. Well, a lot of people shoot TriStars. They're very, very reasonably priced, and uh, and for the money, they're pretty darn good guns. Uh, uh, TriStar has got a a new Trinity. Over and under model that uh, that they're just launching, uh, you can get that gun, uh, three inch chambered uh, for twelve gauge. Uh, you can get it in sixteen. You can get it in twenty. You can get uh, you know twenty eight and four ten. Uh, they've got a Trinity LT, which is a lightweight model. It's only going to going to come in you know five and a half six pounds, something like that. Uh, the twelve gauge uh, and uh, and and twenty gauge Trinity. Without the LT, is you know it's going to come in at about six and a half pounds, but um, really really nice guns. Uh, price points under seven hundred dollars, and uh, uh, you can check these models out at TriStarArms.com. Okay, <clears throat> as always, let me do this real quick. You know, the first segment of the show is brought to you my good by my good friends at the Crushable Vault. You know, these guys have been with me from day one. And I'm going to tell you something. The Crushable Vault is a really, really cool product. And uh, when I talk to Rich later on, we're going to talk about some really high-dollar shotguns. And, and I can assure you that uh, uh, once you put those in your truck, you don't want somebody lifting them out, just like you don't want anybody taking your, your 870 pump. But uh, the Crushable Vault uh, is a really innovative firearm protection product that <clears throat> looks like a piece of luggage. You can put your gun cases in there. They have an interlocking cable system that allows you to lock those those gun cases together so that they cannot be opened. And then the the locking system actually goes through those cables and, and can tie your, your gun cases into the bed of your truck, in the back of your SUV, in the trunk of your car. You know, any any stable locking point in there will work and once once you tie those in the old Mr. Petty thief is not going to take your guns he's he, he's going to be in for a bad day because he may reach in to try to grab them but he is going to fail I can assure you of that uh, so do me a favor check these guys out crushablevault.com if you see something you like uh, there's a promo code box on there type my name in it Marty and uh, they'll give you a 10% discount immediately on your purchase but I, I can tell you it's a great product it looks good and it will give you the freedom that you're looking for to not have your guns removed from your vehicles. All right, what else is going on? Real quick, uh, a couple of shot of um, shoots that are coming up. Uh, North American Fee Task is is starting uh, today. Uh, as a matter of fact, down at South Florida Shooting Club, um, the Caribbean Classic, also down in Florida at the Vero Beach. Clay Shooting Sports, February 6th to 11. The Gator Cup at Quail Creek Plantation. Uh, you know, I think I've mentioned before, I happened to, I designed the first uh, Sporting Clays course at Quail Creek, and what a beautiful place it is. And um, yeah, the, the uh, Ducks Unlimited Continental Shoot at Clark County Shooting Park out in 
Las Vegas, they call it Ducks in the Desert. Uh, you know, that's a beautiful, beautiful place. I actually designed that place as well, the sporting clays there. February 20 to 24, the Seminole Cup, a great shoot. It's going to be here in Georgia, close to where I live, at uh, Broadfield Sea Island Sporting Club. Uh, that's March 27, um, February 27 to March 3rd, and then the Blosser Skeet Classic. Uh, we'll be out in San Antonio at the National Shooting Complex, March 12 to 15. You know, all of those shoots are coming up. They're big shoots. They're going to be very well attended, and I can I can assure you they're going to be very, very well run also. So that's about what's going on, and, I, and I've had Rich kind of sitting on hold over there, and I don't want to do that to him any longer. So uh, Rich Cole from Cole Guns, welcome to Wing and Clay Nation, my friend. I'm glad to have you. Thank you, Marty. It's nice to talk to you. I appreciate having the opportunity. Well, you know, I, I, the one thing I do know, and, I, and I'm, I'm a guy, you know, I, I spend time thumbing through magazines and walking in and out of showrooms and all of that kind of stuff. And every time I've been confronted with anything that had cold guns written on it, it just was nothing but quality and character and all of that and, and and rich you know you're 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 a gunsmith by trade you know and a lot of people look at that and they say well you know guy's a gunsmith you know he's kind of quiet he sits over there doesn't talk to anybody he's a tinkerer well let's talk about that a little bit because i haven't found you to be that at all <laughs> and uh, so give me a little bit of background on rich cole uh somewhere along the line i heard that your father was a rocket scientist and you figured real quick, or at least your teachers in school figured out that Rich wasn't a rocket scientist, so he had to do something. So give me a little background on Rich and what got you into the tinkering business as a really, really, really good gunsmith. Well, thank you, Marty. Uh, Yeah, no one has ever accused me of being quiet, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, you know, my tinkering comes from, you you know, all uh, humor aside, I mean, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, my, my dad was a rocket scientist and, you know, I wasn't interested in school. I'm a hands-on guy. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they talk about talent sort of jumping generationally and very, very interesting because my oldest son is a brilliant, uh, you know, toolmaker and, you know, it, it very much like my, like my dad was, but, you know, I'm more on the artist side of things and I like mm-hmm. to see things and feel them with my hands. And, uh, you know, so what, what I did have the opportunity as a very, very young man, you know, with, with a dad that was a rocket scientist was, is that he was a tinkerer and, you know, he, he rebuilt these antique, uh, double flywheel one lunger engines for, uh, you know, for a hobby. And so in mm-hmm. our, in our basement there and right outside of Washington, DC, where I grew up, um, you know, we had a, a small machine shop there. And so, you know, really at nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, I was a kid that was already on a drill press and, you know, soldering and brazing and dragging a stick welding and, you know, could, could run, do basic operations on a lathe. And, uh, you know, that, that primed things for me. And I've always had a tremendous love um, of guns. I, I think that, you know, when we look at really high quality guns, we look at those as functional artwork, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, there's a lot of our, a lot of our history has been determined by a society's ability to produce quality arms, you know, right. and we see that through the evolution of, you know, of, of human history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I look at that and, and just, you know, want to be a part of that story. 
Well, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I look at it because, as you say, you're a hands-on kind of guy. And, you know, when, when, I, when I think about that, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure that you are just unbelievably intrigued about what actually makes them work. You know, I mean, when you, you know, you you can you, you look at a piece of of art like that. You know, the gun, but the but the to be a great gunsmith, the mechanical part of it has to be something that you understand. And you know, and a lot of these guns are totally different. I mean, John Browning, you know, he came up with all sorts of ideas, and then uh, you know, the Mister Winchester. I mean, everybody had something a little bit different. So when you when you look at these different guns. Um, Talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, understanding the mechanics of all of it has to be something that's uh, that's really intriguing to you. Well, it's it's intriguing and it's challenging as well, Marty. Uh, you know, I think that you know you bring up a good point. You know, you look at Oliver Winchester's guns, John Browning's guns. You know, a lot of the other great designers that you know that that were out there. There are so many different designs and mechanical. Uh, compositions, if you will, you know, to, to these guns that, you know, one of the, one of the challenges is that we have in our trade today, as in, we'll call it gunsmithing, gun repair, um, is, is that nobody can be good at all of it. You know, there, there's, there's just, there's too much to know, um, mm-hmm. you know, over the last, you know, I mean, hundred and 150 years of gun design, let's call that sort of the modern age of, of, of gun making. You know, we have everything, you know, from the Winchester 1897 knuckle buster, you know, pump shotgun up to the, you know, the Cosmo Italian semi-auto gun. And I mean, two things couldn't possibly be more different. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the great Browning Auto 5, you know, it, it can be somewhat of an enigma to people that aren't familiar with it. And, you know, we have all of these different designs, and, and it's absolutely fascinating to, to see and understand how these things work. And, you know, to me, I have so much respect for the gun designers because, you know, hey, I, you know, I'm a humble guy that I've, I've figured out how to work on a lot of these different shotguns that are, that are used and that are important today, you know, how to improve some of them, um, you know, to, to some degree. But, boy, the guys that figured out how to engineer them to start with and really design them, I mean, that, that to me is very, very fascinating. Well, it, it is without question. And, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're, we're going to talk here in just a second about how you got your start you know, back in 1980, I mean, you, you've been doing you've been doing this three decades now, and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But, folks, I, I do want to say this, you know, uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by my good friends at Negrini Cases. You know, if you probably have a Negrini gun case and you don't even know it because they don't write Negrini all over all of them. But, you know, if you've got a, 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 a Beretta or a, a Browning or a Blosser or a Parachi or, you know, any of those really nice guns, I mean, Negrini made those cases. And I, I just found out that uh, uh, they've just gotten a couple of awards, too. And I, and I want to congratulate these guys for this. Shooting Sportsman Magazine uh, just did a, 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 a big comparison of a number of different uh, gun cases and the uh, uh, Negrini Unicase, which fits virtually any shotgun, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, came out on top. So they got the Shooting Sportsman Magazine Editor's Choice Award, uh, you know, and then Sporting Classics Magazine, another great, uh, great hunting publication. Uh, they got the uh, Award of Excellence for the Hunting Accessories. So uh, uh, do me a favor. Go check out my, my buddies at negrinicases.com. 
calm. You know, that uh, unicase compact shotgun case for travel, that's what I use. It's a, it's a 16406 if you want to go in there and look it up. And I'm going to tell you something. You get that case and you're going to be a happy guy because they're lightweight and every bit as strong as aluminum. And I can promise you, you get in a greeny case, you're going to absolutely love it. So check them out, negrinicases.com. All right, Rich. Yeah, let me get back to you here, buddy. We've got uh, we got some history to talk about. You know, you got started. Uh, I guess you were probably in your early twenties, maybe somewhere along that. And you know, and uh, yeah, in, that's, that's right. If we're going to start dating ourselves, yeah, we can date it. I mean, <laughs> you know, nineteen eighty. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, were yeah. probably yeah. probably about early twenties, maybe. Uh, you went to work yeah, for Beretta as a, as an apprentice. Now, an apprentice at Beretta. What does an apprentice at Beretta do? What what did what did what was that all about? Well, you know, at the at the time, and and before I go there, I I want to I want to second you on Negrini. Uh, you know, they're a great, they are a great company. We sell a lot of their cases, and and I know the folks that run that company personally, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, more power to them. I'm glad they're doing real well. But well, you know, they, going it's back a to Beretta, great product. Okay. Yeah, going back to Beretta, you know, Beretta had just bought out the assets of Garcia Corporation. I, I think it was ni- 1978, 1979, and and they were just sort of gearing up to take over uh, the manufacturing and, and warehousing facility that in Akakeek, Maryland, where Beretta USA still has their their headquarters. And they really had a skeleton crew there as far as you know a manufacturing staff and you know sales and and minute service organization certainly and uh they were just they were building the little model 950 uh bs minks and jet fire pistols uh-huh. that you know uh-huh. had to be produced here in the usa based upon you know the point system that the 1968 gun control act required uh-huh. and uh, so it was a pretty small organization and you know when i found out that they, that they were sort of gearing up there um you know, I, I was working. A, I was working a construction job because I couldn't afford to go to gunsmithing school, and and uh, I, I took a I, you know just on a dare. I sort of jumped in my truck and I drove down there and I I knocked on the door, and uh, that should be dating things. And and of course the security people let me in and and took me over to human resources, and and I had the opportunity to uh, you know talk to the human resources director. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met the, the you know the plant manager, and and lo and behold, they said, you know, we are we're you know we're looking for help. We are hiring, and I said, I you know I it's been my life's aspiration you know to to become a gunsmith. And uh, there was a fellow there by the name of Bjorn Bogiel who was a, a very very skilled master gunsmith from you know from Denmark, and and he, he was a brilliant man, and he had a lot to do you know years later, several years later with Beretta you know, being able to acquire the, the contract to build the M9, you know, uh-huh, sidearm uh-huh. for the U.S. military. But in any case, you know, Bure and I hit it right off. And, and you know, we, he, he talked a little bit about, you know, what I had been doing. And, you know, I talked a little bit about my dad and, you know, and that and what some of my background was because, you know, I was far from a gunsmith. But, you know, I was, I was a guy who had, had used my hands and understood basic mechanical principles. And, and, and so I was, I think that Bure looked at me and, and, as though I was trainable. So, you know, interestingly enough, he marched me right over to, to Bob Bonaventure's office, who was the general manager there for many years and really is the fellow that built that company in the, in the USA. And, and, uh, you know, Bob said, is this, is this your guy, Bure? And Bure said, yep, you know, if you'll have him. And, 
And Bob Bonaventure looked at me and he said, well, you know, we'll hire you and, and Bureau is going to train you up to be a gunsmith if you'll work for $5 an hour. And $5 an hour, I was leaving a construction job at 13 plus benefits and I couldn't <laughs> have run fast enough to, 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 to take a job as a gunsmith apprentice with Beretta. And, you know, what I found that that was going to be, basically, it was, it was going to be filling about 18 months worth of old spare parts orders and working on the assembly line for the better part, you know, of, of a year and doing almost no gunsmithing. And, mm-hmm. boy, did I ever have a resentment about that, you know. But, you know, finally at the end of that time, you know, they moved me into the, into the gunsmithing department uh, with, with Bjor and Pete Valentine. And Pete was the only gunsmith with uh, Beretta at the time. And, again, we hit it off real well. And, you know, those, those guys, you know, Beretta was a very, very much a, a kind of a family company back then. You know, Brenda mm-hmm. Morgel, who, who's still there today, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we always joke and we say, Brenda, if the company ever folds, which is highly unlikely, all things considered, they've been around for 500 years now. But if the company was to ever fold, Brenda would be the one that turned the lights out and locked the door on the way out. Wow. But, uh, you know, in, in, in any case, you know, what I, what I found from the time that, you know, that I was there filling parts orders and that I learned all of the, the nomenclature of their product. And I was really ready then to go right to the bench and, and, and really start learning, um, you know, how to do, how to do repair work. And, you know, I had yeah. this one-on-one instruction with Pete Valentine and, and with Bjor and it was, it was great old school, um, you know, gunsmithing training. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, I, one of the one of the things that got me hired is because I could file. You know, that, that's kind of a thing people think about today. They think of, oh, a gunsmith. What's a gunsmith do? He changes parts and he makes stuff. Well, you know, on classic guns, you know, the machines only make the part to a certain point. You know, the gun maker then takes a file and does the final little bit of work mm-hmm. in order to put that part in the mechanism and actually make it engage properly with the others. And of course, then there's heat treatment and so on and so forth that, you know, that goes on to it. But, you know, I, that's, that's sort of a long winded thing of my start with Beretta. And, you know, they sent me on, on several excursions over to, to Italy, you know, to get specialized training, to learn some about how to work on the, on the uh, SO model side locks and doing a lot of barrel fitting and that, and that kind of thing. And I really mm-hmm. enjoyed working over in Italy. I got to work directly with with Marco Beretta, and and I still have a great relationship, um, you know, with Ferdinando Berleri, who's the the head gun maker, and and just really one of the, without a doubt, one of the world's finest and most creative, you know, gun makers that that that's lived in the last hundred years. Well, and and we're gonna <clears throat> as we get a little further into the show. I mean, I've got so many things I want to talk about. Hopefully, we can talk about that because you know the guns today are are really, really well made. I mean, you know, they've got so much technology these days. We're going to talk about that. But, you know, let's do this. In 1985, you you kind of must, must have felt like, well, you know what, maybe it's time I need to go out and do my thing. And for whatever reason, whatever reason, Rich Cole went to Maine. Now, you know, Rich, there aren't a lot of people that live in Maine. So what, 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 what got you to go there and, and, and what generated, what generated yeah, your business yeah. in Maine? Well, I had a sister who was a veterinarian, was in Maine, you know, so I, I, had a, I had a place to stay. And, you know, I was ready for an adventure. And, you know, I was, I was, offered, a, I was offered a job working as a gunsmith at Johnson Sporting Goods in, in Cook's Corner, mm-hmm. Maine. And when I, when, I, when I left Beretta, I also took a lot of knowledge with me and the agreement that they would send me a lot of non-warranty work that I could do. So, you know, I, I, 
I, I just wanted to broaden my horizons. I, I didn't, you know, I love Beretta. It was, it was incredible. I'm, I'm loyal to them today. I still do a tremendous amount of work with Beretta. I mean, we're, we're their largest premium dealer in the U.S. You know, mm-hmm. so we, we have a fantastic relationship, and I spend a lot of time with them. But, you know, as a young man, you know, I just, I wanted, I wanted to do something different, you know. And, and Maine, I'll tell you, there, I, there's no better sea duck hunting. You know, well, yeah, amen to that. that I found and uh, buddy, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, when, when it's a young, you know, now, you know, Marty, you and I are old dogs. That is a young man's game, you know, sitting yes. out, in a, sitting out in the skiff and then, uh, you know, on some rocky, around some rocky ledges in the Atlantic ocean, you know, December and January in the Gulf of Maine, that, that is a story for a whole nother show. But, you know, in, in any case, you know, that was what I was thinking when I, when I went up there, you know, and, and so I went, you know, I went to Maine and I, I had saved some money and I, I bought a piece of land and I built a small shop and a house. And I had a, you know, a part-time gunsmith working in a, a, a gun job, you know, gunsmith and job working in a, in a gun shop and, and doing my own thing. And I bought some machinery. I was doing a lot of bluing and relaying ribs on, you know, on side-by-sides, you know, some of the older guns and doing the rust bluing. And, you know, that was back in the day of the, all the, the Swedish Mausers coming in and guys were sporterizing them. And I was, you know, taking the, 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 the good factory barrels and turning them into, you know, third octagon and two thirds round and putting spoon bolt handles on them and all that kinds of stuff for other guys that were stocking them and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I was kind of a job shop gunsmith, you know, at that, you know, for a number of years there, really. Gee, wow, that's, that's and, crazy. Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're getting ready to come up on a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about cold gun and all the little things that you've got going, because I'm going to tell you something, folks, we're going to start talking when we come back, we're going to, we're going to talk about what is a true passion for rich. And that is, is, uh, stock making and gun fit and things like that. And I can promise you there's some great information coming. Uh, folks, this folk, this, ooh, excuse me, this portion of the show was brought to you by my really, really, really good friends at Etowah Valley Hunting Preserve in Dawsonville, Georgia. That's about an hour north of, of Atlanta. You know, if you're, an, if you're an upland bird hunter, there's a good chance you, you're always looking for the next great place. Well, if you live in the southeast, you're planning a trip to Atlanta, then get in touch with my buddies at Etowah Valley Game Preserve in Dawsonville. They're about an hour north of the city, right in the beautiful foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. They've got a great feathers and clay package where you can shoot 50 sporting clays in the morning at the Etowah Valley Sporting Clays Range. You can have lunch with your guide, and then you're out in the field to hunt whatever you want to hunt, quail, pheasants, chucker, you name it, you can hunt it. And here's the best thing. They'll even let you bring your own hunting dog. Now, not all places will allow you to do that. So give my friends a good look there. Uh, Check them out on their website, etowahvalleygamepreserve.com. And let me know if you get up there and do some hunting. I promise you they've got really good birds, really good people, and absolutely beautiful property, EtowahValleyGamePreserve.com. So, folks, stay tuned. Wing and Clay Nation with Rich Cole will be right back after these messages. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And welcome back. And I am still here with uh, Rich Cole from Cole Guns. And uh, and we're going we're gonna to really get into the Cole Gun story here in just a second but hey if you're a social media guy you know so many of us have have had to become that you know I'm an old guy and uh, you know a computer to me is still a glorified typewriter but um, you know I've had I've had to get into this social media and websites and all of that kind of stuff so let me invite you to jump on board with Wing and Clay Nation Radio uh, our website is wingandclayradio.com uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash wing and clay radio. On Twitter, twitter.com slash wing clay nation. And on Instagram, it's instagram.com slash wing and clay radio. Please uh, go to those different sites, you know, uh, like us, share us, uh, become a part of it. We, you know, we'd love to hear from you, uh, share some of your stories. And, um, you know, we, we we appreciate you going there. Now, let me get back to Rich. You know, Rich, we you know we we got you in Maine, and uh, now now it's time to kind of talk about Cole Gun. You know, and 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 the one thing that that I am really intrigued about is is your passion for the perfectly fitted shotgun. You know, that is uh, that is something that uh, so many of us just take for granted i mean when i was a little kid you know they told me marty here's how you determine the gun fits you put you put the stock in the crook of your arm and if your finger matches the trigger that means the gun fits you 
boy, did I get misled with that conversation. So let's sure. talk a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about that just a little bit. Talk about gun fit and how important it is and the different little nuances of it. I know you're really big into the grip, and so many people don't even know what we're talking about. So the floor is yours, my friend. Right. Well, I'm glad you got me out of Maine because it's cold up there, and right now I'm enjoying the 75-degree day in Naples, Florida. Yes, but, you uh, are. Yeah, you know, stock fit is a, is really is a big deal, you know, and I, I think that, you know, hunters for years have overlooked it. Um, certainly here in the U.S., in Great Britain, I think they're a, a little bit, a little more savvy on it than we are over here. Uh, the evolution of the sport's very different, you know, between the continents. Um, you know, Shooters are picking up on it now in the clay sports because, you know, guys are, guys are going out and they say, gee whiz, you know, I, 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 I do pretty well bird hunting, but I'm shooting at these clays and I'm not doing so well. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, as they say, separating the men from the boys there, you know, and the, and the types of presentations and the challenges of shooting some of these clays. And, you know, I, it, it boils down to, you know, gun fit. And, and again, the shooter's technique in terms of their gun mount, as you very well know, Marty, you know, it's, it's kind of like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? How do you, how do you, how does a shooter develop a good gun mount if they don't have a gun that fits them, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's, that's what we really work at, you know, because we have seen so many shooters improve so dramatically by having the correct kinds of adjustments made to their existing gun stock or, you know, by getting into a gun that is the correct gun for the discipline, you know, whether it be a hunting, uh, hunting gun or whether it be a clay gun or which, you know, are they shooting skeet trap or they shooting international trap police? Uh, there's most people today, sporting clays is where the, you know, really where the, you know, the growth is. And, uh, you know, there, there are differences in the different disciplines that create differences in the way that we approach the, the fit of the stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that you know, a lot of people don't realize that. You know, in all honesty, it's hard to find a one gun fits all. You know, if you're shooting all of the different games, I mean, that is that's really really tough to do. Yeah, it 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 sure is. I mean, a, a person really, you know, they do say, beware of the man that shoots only one gun. And okay, there's a lot to be said for the fellow that can go out and you know and, and be passable with you know with shooting just one gun. But I mean, the the perfect example would you know would be that. You know, if somebody's going to shoot, you know, American trap, um, they're not going to have much success in that sport uh, shooting a sporting clays gun, or right. they're going to have less success if they try and shoot a skeet gun. Um, mm-hmm. The guy that's shooting a trap gun isn't going to do very well in sporting clays, you know, so that without a doubt, you know, our sports are refined enough that there there is a requirement you know to, to if if you really want to excel if you want to, if a person wants to work up to their potential you know they need to get they need to have the gun set up correctly for the specific sport and the gun that needs to you know to to fit them and you know you talked a bit about the you know about the grip and you know in in terms of you know gun stock terminology um, you know, we talk about the length of pull, which is the distance from the center of the trigger to the center of the butt, you know, and then we talk about the drops. And of course you've got, you know, the, the, the up at the nose of the comb, you've got drop at the heel of the comb, 
Uh, you've got drops. Some stocks have a bit of a Monte Carlo. We talk about cast, which is, in effect, the, the movement of the stock away from the shooter's face. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of different dimensions, and I, I don't want to confuse people that, you know, that aren't up on it because it's, it's too much to go into, you know, in a short segment like this. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, that I really look at a lot when I'm making stocks for people and, and, and trying to evaluate the gun is what's happening with the grip. Because the grip is a very, very important part of it. You know, if, if a shooter is a right-hand shooter, their right hand is their primary hand. That's the one that's really doing the work. You mm-hmm. know, people think, well, the left hand is the one that's holding it. Yeah, but the right hand is the one that's got the feel to it. And, you know, it's, it is important that the grip is the correct distance back from the trigger so that when the shooter positions their hand on the grip, that their index finger is at a pleasing engagement with the trigger. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, you know, how does the hand ride? If, if the grip is a little bit too, lo- too, too long, the shooter chokes up on the grip and they put their hand unknowingly at an unpleasing relationship with the radius and the ulna in their, in their, in their forearm. Um, you know, so there's quite a bit that we, that we look at there, you know, in order to try and, and create a situation, whether it be a, you know, a custom stock or some kind of a modification to, to a stock in order to, to make an improvement for, for the shooter. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, if we, if we were to sit here and talk about all of this, we could probably talk for two hours about fit because there's so many things, you know, the, 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 you know, the pitch and the cast and the, you know, I, I mean, you get the drop, right? I mean, the guns, you know, you know it's got to shoot where you look, but you know what? It is a little bit more than that. It's got to shoot exactly where you look. And that's what the perfect fit allows to happen. Now, what I want to do next, I want to get into, into your stock making, because that is, uh, that is something that's really, really, really important. And folks, we're going to get on that in just a second. But, you know, I did want to tell you this, if you're an upland bird guy or a waterfowler, there's a good chance that you have your own hunting dog. Well, you know, there's nothing more pleasurable than watching your well-trained companion do his thing in the field. And for more than 30 years, Dogtra, Remember that name, Dogtra, has been building the best e-collars for remote training, GPS tracking collars that allow you to track up to 21 dogs simultaneously, beeper collars that help you locate your pointing dog in high cover, no bark collars when you you want peace and quiet, they've got launchers for your birds and training dummies, and even e-fence products to help you keep your dog on your property at all times. Dogtra is a brand that is trusted by pro trainers all around the world. And I'll bet they've got the right training tool for you and your hunting companion to help make him the very best that he can be, whether he's at your feet or on the hunt. Do me a favor, check this company out. They've got some great stuff, dogtra.com. Now, Rich, let's talk a little bit about stock making because, you know, one of the you know, one of the things that... Uh, in, in the past, you know, you would talk, people would talk about getting a stock custom fitted, and it was a process. I mean, this stuff took forever, but technology has really moved the ball on that. Tell us a little bit about what happens at Cole Gun and how you take care of building a stock for a shooter. Sure. So we have, you know, our focus at Cole Gunsmithing, you know, for, for stock making is, is we, we have married, you know, the, the old world skill 
with modern manufacturing technology. You know, and, and as we talked about, you know, my time with Beretta, I was I was trained as a as a classical gunsmith, which is which is handwork. And, you know, my son, Larry, has been trained as a tool and die maker, and he's a real crackerjack CNC guy. And, you know, basically, you know, what we've done is, is that, you know, we have worked also with partners in Italy, uh, and we use uh, five-axis CNC and machine basically the wooden parts for the inletting by this very sophisticated computer-controlled machinery to make sure that the inside of the stock, where it has to touch up against the, the, you know, the receiver portions and the barrel and the forend iron and everything, is as perfect as it can be so that the, the stock is strong and will not move around. And then mm-hmm. we do a lot of the outside work by hand. And, you know, what that does basically is it, it gives us a stock that's perfect on the inside and on the outside in terms of its structural integrity as, and its aesthetic beauty. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what we focused on. And, you know, by using some of the modern manufacturing technology, um, we are able to, to reduce the amount of handwork that goes into it. And thereby it brings the cost down a little bit. But more importantly for most people it is we can deliver the stocks a lot faster. You know, right. it, it, it didn't used to be, you know, uncommon to wait six months or so to get a custom stock made, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, generally now we, we can do it if, if, if all the stars line up correctly, if they don't always because we don't live in a perfect world, but it's not uncommon for us to turn out a stock in, you know, in a month or six weeks now, you know, finished mm-hmm. and checkered, you know, delivered wow. to the, you know, to the client. Um, so, and th- there are a lot of different ways of going about it. You know, we can, we have people come into the shop and we do a tri gun fitting with them. Um, sometimes we will deliver the, the gun with the wood in the white so mm-hmm. that, you know, they can try it first and make sure that all the dimensions are correct. You know, oftentimes we have to make some, some subtle changes when we're really looking for that perfect fit. And, you know, particularly in the clay target world, when you get some of these shooters there, they're really good, you know, and they, they have sorted out, you know, their technique, their gun mount is consistent. They know what it is that they need. They can convey to me what they're looking for. They're very, very easy to work for. It's a lot more challenging when you get that intermediate shooter that's still sort of working on developing their mount. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're the shooter that you know, we're going to build this for them, and then we're going, we're going to have to make some modifications. And they're also going to require a little bit of coaching in terms of, you know, having a correct gun mount so that we're not building a stock for an incorrect mount. Because that, that's, you know, we're going to collect their money, but it's going to handicap them. Sure. You know? well, and we it, want to provide a service. And honestly, yeah. And you know, Rich, that, that is that is such an important part of, of all of this. You know, I'm a, I'm a shooting instructor. I've been teaching for 38 years. And the one thing that I really, really, really harp on is developing that perfect gun mount, because there's no way to properly fit a gun if you can't properly mount the gun. I mean, well, you're, you're, absolutely. Just, you're all over the place. And, and that really is, that really does come back to that, which, which comes first, you know, the chicken or the egg, because how do you create a perfect fit for a person that doesn't have a good mount? Mm-hmm. How can a person develop a good mount if they don't have a gun that fits them at least reasonably well? Right. You know, and so I, I think that, you know, my advice to the, to the new or to the aspiring shooter is be a little bit patient. 
get some good advice on the front end. Mm-hmm. You know, get, get with an instructor, get into a gun that is not a perfect fit, but at least has the, the majority of the dimensional aspects relatively correctly, and then work to learn to shoot that gun. And then you can have that gun modified or you can, you know, end up moving up the ladder a little bit and getting into a, a higher end gun that, that really is set up specifically for that, for that perfect fit for you. Well, you know, I I talked to you here a few weeks ago uh, doing a, a, a magazine article for Shooting Sports for Magazine, and and uh, you know we were talking about new shooters, and you said something that uh, that really that really went home with me. Uh, you know, when you said you don't recommend for somebody new to go out and spend a whole bunch of money on a fancy gun, even if they can afford it. Yeah, you're 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 right. I mean, that's that's not the best salesman coming from me, but you know, that's, that's the truth. You know, this is, this is my passion, you know, and, and I, I love this business. I love these guns. You know, the majority of the people that, that we work with are a lot of fun. And I, I have been blessed, you know, to, to basically do what I love and, and, you know, earn a living doing it. Um, and and it, it's very true. You know, we get, some very affluent people, particularly down here in the Naples shop, you know, that mm-hmm. are willing to spend a lot more than they have to um, on a gun. And, and we, we generally look at that from the standpoint that if you're just getting going, if you're getting into the sport, you know, what we really want to do is give you the very, very best opportunity, you know, to utilize whatever your disposable income is in the best means for you. And, and that is not spending ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars on your initial gun. You know, it's 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 buying that Beretta Silver Pigeon One or a Browning Satori, a Garini Summit, um, you know, one of the one of these other guns that's in the you know the two to five thousand dollar price range. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know you, you you get into that kind of a gun and then spend a little bit of money getting the stock dimensions correct. Mm-hmm. So the piece of that, as you very well know, is, is that there is a symmetry between the barrel length and the stock length. You know, the, the whole gun needs to be correct in terms of the way it is set up in order for it to handle, it, handle properly. And so that's what we really suggest to people that, that they do. You know, buy a good quality gun, not a really expensive one. Get it set up so that you can really learn your mount, learn the game, you know, whether it be hunting, whether it be clay target shooting, you know, and if you're still in the game a year, two years from now, come back and see us. And we are really, really enthusiastic about selling you an expensive gun, but we, we want to do it for you so that it really makes sense. Well, and I can, I can tell you most people's first vehicle is not a Ferrari. So, you know, you you got to learn to drive before you jump into one of those. Now, one thing that I, that I, that I, I see in, in, in looking at your uh, at your website, um, you, you 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 do something with finished wood sets. You know, if people want to change out the wood, uh, you know, primarily on 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 the Italian guns because you're a specialist on the Italian guns. Although you sell other guns in your shop, uh, tell us a little a little about your finished wood sets. I think that uh, that's something that people could could uh, be interested in. 
Well, right, Marty. So, you know, from my time working in Italy, I, I still spend a lot of time working in Italy in, in the Gardona Val Trampia and Marcano region, where is, which is where the gun making is, is done. And we have a lot of connections there. And, you know, we buy a lot of wood and we have stocks and forends produced for us there, you know, on factory patterns and various different grades in different stock dimensions. I mean, I think that we have... Uh, we probably have around 3,000 stock, uh, stocks and forends for various Beretta models. You know, we, we've got the world's largest inventory of wood for Berettas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any, any of the semi-autos as well as the over-unders. I mean, you, you name it, we probably have it, you know, for the Berettas. Those are the ones. We have a lot for Perazzi, but, you know, not, not as much. Um, you know, as the price of the gun goes up, m- more the custom concept comes into play. Uh, but we, we, we really do have a lot. If a, a fellow's got a beat up old silver pigeon, you know, that they've had for the last 25 years and they want to put a facelift on it, uh, we can do that very, very affordably. Mm-hmm. And most generally can, you know, can come up with something that's going to fit them pretty well that isn't necessarily a, a, a custom stocked uh, setup. Now, in one of the things that, that I know that you do also, uh, you 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 know you have a uh, you know a cold custom um, you know series that you do, and one of the things you know a lot of people a lot of people um, shoot semi-automatic shotguns, and you you really have gotten into that, sunk your teeth into it in a big way. Uh, let's talk a little about a couple of things. Uh, the new Cole Pro A400 Beretta, but I also want to talk a little a little about the Cole Trigger because you know I'm a I'm a trigger guy. You know I know I, I don't like a hard trigger or one that I've got to yank. I want that thing to be really smooth. So if you will, let's address the Cole Trigger real quick, and then uh, let's talk about that Cole Pro A400 semi-automatic that you've got. Sure. Well, you know, going back to the Beretta A303. Uh, you know, that, that was, that was a great shotgun, you know, that, that was around in the, you know, at the time that the, you know, the Remington 1100 reigned high and, you know, that was a great classic gun of the, of its day. Um, you know, myself being a Beretta specialist, of course, you know, we, we started tricking those guns out and, you know, working with the gas ports and doing some polishing and, you know, action polishing and trigger work. And, you know, we really could get those triggers on those Beretta semi-autos to, you know, a nice, almost a rifle pull, you know, down Uh around three pounds, three and a quarter pounds. And it made such a difference for the shooters because they didn't have that flinch from a hard trigger pull. Right. And, uh, you know, Jim Belgard in the, the Cole North shop up in, up in the main shop has, he's been with me for 17 years, uh, you know, doing these Beretta semi-autos. And, you know, he is without a doubt the, the reigning guru of Beretta semi-auto shotguns on the planet today. Uh, that, that guy has worked on more of these guns than, than all the rest of us put together. And, you know, his sidekick, Trevor, up there is, is also another good one with these, with these Berettas and does a lot of the A400 thing. But, you know, what, what Beretta has produced such a good series of semi-auto shotguns that, you know, what we do is we take the rough edges off of them and tune the triggers and the actions to, to, to make them smoother and more pleasant to shoot. And then we offer a lot of cosmetic upgrades. You know, we do a lot of Cerakote and dipping and, you know, upgraded wood sets and that. We're getting ready to, 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 to introduce some laminated sets um, in, in different colors. 
uh, with palm swells, something that, you know, that we're trying to keep them fresh, you know, keep, mm-hmm. them, keep them fresh out there for people. Uh, you know, the shooters like to have something that, that, that's a little different than the standard thing that you, you just pick up off the shelf and, and walk away with. And uh, well, you know, we you have know, a lot it, of success with that. Yeah, and that is especially true with the young shooters. I mean, they, you know, they want, they want all sorts of crazy colors and all sorts. I mean, it, it's amazing what these young kids want in a, in a gun. And, you know, as opposed to me being an old guy with a, you know, with a, a, a traditional heart, you know, it's, it, it's kind of yeah, tough sure sometimes, not, yeah. but, um, uh, you know, they, they, they want all sorts of, of, of different applications and, and you're able to do that. Now, uh, Rich, I mean, you, you, you know, I, I know, you know, uh, uh, John at the at the shop said, "Yeah, Rich didn't know if he was going to be able to talk for an hour. You know what? We're not far from that. So let's do this. Let's talk a little a little bit about how to get in touch with you. I know you've got four uh, locations right now. So uh, tell us uh, about those locations and uh, and how to get in touch with Cole Gun. Sure, sure. Well, our our original location was in Harpswell, Maine, and that is where they do the majority of the Beretta shotgun warranty work." Uh, for the Northeast, and um, you know they're the they're the Beretta semi-auto people. They're the folks that have the all the wood sets and spare. We sell a lot of spare parts for Beretta shotguns. Um, it's Cole Gunsmithing in Harpswell, Maine. Their phone number is two zero seven eight three three five zero two seven. And then the Naples, Florida location is our is our largest shop, and this is where we do all the stock making and the fabrication of upgraded parts and, and that. And we have a, a real big inventory and a big staff here. Um, mm-hmm. Here in, in Naples, Florida, our phone number is 239-352-0345. And then we just recently opened a, um, a, a shop at the National Shooting Complex in San Antonio. And... Um, you can you can reach them um, you know online there. Um, I don't know the phone number off the top of my head. My my bad for that. But we're you know we're there. We've we've got a man there full time, and we're bringing a gunsmith a gunsmith in there. But you know that's a that's a nice small location. But you know we travel there to these you know, to these big sporting clays shoots, and I myself personally go down to work with the with work with the shooters to you know do fittings and and you know make modifications and help them go. Uh, you know they're these shooters, they get there and, and, you know, they have a problem with their gun. It, it's nice for them to be able to have somebody that they can at least talk to, to try and help them, help them get sorted out so that they can continue their event. Oh, and then we also have a, a pro shop at uh, Sarasota trap and skeet in Nokomis, Florida. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, a demo station where we have, uh, we have Parazzi demos, Beretta, Cesar Guarini, Fab Arm, Blazer, all those brands that we sell, we've got demo guns that people can take out and actually try. Um, you know, we tell people, you know, you, you don't buy a car without taking it for a test drive. You know, no, so you got to You got to do that. You yeah, got to do you that. Got, well, you got to give, give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Rich, we're, we're up on time, buddy, and it's coldgun.com, right? It's, it's coldgun, C-O-L-E-G-U-N.com. Folks, yeah, and, go, uh, go there. Believe me, you're you're going to be amazed at what you see. It's it's remarkable, Rich. You know we're we're totally out of time, buddy, and uh, and so we've got to go. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, folks. Take somebody shooting. Thanks for having be me. Be safe. Hey, it's my pleasure, buddy. Take somebody. Be safe. Have fun, and we'll talk to you next week on Wing and Clay Nation. <laughs> 
you for listening to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Please join Marty again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week's show, think safety first and good shooting. Thank you.